Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. which I believe is disliked by most Mexican national team fans. And that's just the way we like it because you got three of your favorite former U.S. men's national team players here with you, Jimmy Conrad, Charlie Davies, and Keith Pierce. And after an exciting week of episodes, we have another one. But this one's kind of sad, boys. This one's about why we're struggling in the Bundesliga, both at the managerial level and also at the player level, not always just based on form, but also injury. What's going on with Americans and Bundesliga? That's what we want to get into today as that league wraps up this upcoming weekend. Heath Pierce, I'm going to come to you. You played in Germany, correct? Hansa Rostock? Mm-hmm. Okay, I did. how was that experience? Oh, yeah. Why are we struggling? I don't even know where to go. <laughs> yeah, I, the answer to that question is yes. Uh, <laughs> the answer to your follow-up question is, I don't know, it's cyclical. I think it's a, it's a good problem to have. And if you look at the age of the players and where they're playing right now, it's, it's a pretty youthful group. And we knew that the special cases that we had before, and, and again, we're going to elaborate more on this. This is a whole whole segment for half the yes, show, so of course, I don't want to. I don't want to just say too much right now, but it, it is it is just a, a time and a place of mix with injuries, youth, uh, the teams that that and how they performed, and sort of the bad luck of I think some of the players that we've had in those situations and circumstances. But I look forward to talking about uh, going more in detail as to why we why will, we will, we will. We're going to get into the managers. We're going to get into the players, how they're performing, what it means for them right now, what it means for them moving forward. Should they stay where they are and fight it out? Should they move to find a better situation? Chuck, how are you feeling overall, though? Because obviously there's such a such a, like an enthusiasm and energy for all of our players. Get over to Europe. Get over to Europe. And now we have a whole bunch in the Bundesliga again for whatever reason this particular season. None of them have really been standing out. So uh, I look forward to hearing more about what your thoughts. What are your overall thoughts about this situation? I think my overall thoughts are positive in the sense that nothing's being handed to them. In MLS, each one of these players would be starting and playing without without a problem. There would be no issues, and we whether they were in form or not, they'd still be playing. You go to Europe for a reason, and it's because you're pushed. Nothing's given to you. It's very difficult. Fans are on you. Teammates are on you. You, you get a real sense of what it means to be successful and how you have to stay fit and inform every single day each week when you compete in training. That's ultimately going to make them all better. And, and in some cases it works out with that club. In some cases it doesn't, but in general, you, you are getting a first taste of what it means to become a real professional and, and tested and, and tried at the highest of levels. 
and to make it for Champions League clubs and, and to play for a Bayern Munich, to play for a Dortmund and, and do it consistently. And this is what it takes. So I'd love for them to go over there and, and try because that's all you ask for is for a player to try. It doesn't work for everybody. You saw with Landon Donovan. He tried. It didn't work for him. It could have worked for him later on in his career. But by that time, it was, all right, I got a taste of it. I know I could, could have done it had I been in the right situation. But for all these players, you're looking at Chris Richards, Justin Che, Joe Scally, Tyler Adams, Gio Reyna, Kevin Paredes, Ricardo Pepe, just to name a few. I love that they're over there doing that. It, it In a lot of the cases, it's not going well right now, but uh, that can all change. Yeah, I'm curious about some of these names because they go over there. Some of them are on an 18-month loan, like Justin Che in particular from FC Dallas. He hasn't played much, but now he's got a summer. He's got a preseason to kind of earn his way and earn his respect, earn those minutes. And I think this upcoming year will be very, very important. But we'll get into all the players and the managers. But let's go chronologically because I think the big news from an American perspective was Jesse Marsh leaving RB Salzburg after some success in the Andreas Austrian Bundesliga, obviously doing great things with RB Salzburg in the Champions League, got to coach Erling Holland, brought in Brendan Aronson, which obviously looked like a genius move and, and a lot of good things there. So a lot of hype and energy around Jesse Marsh and his coaching ability goes to RB Leipzig and he's fired within a couple months. Uh, not a good look. We know that he's at Leeds. We'll get into that part of it in a second because I do want to have somewhat of a sidebar of a Jesse Marsh conversation. But Heath, why do you think it went wrong at RB Leipzig? Because we know that they made some changes in the front office. They they also let go of Kanate. He went to Liverpool. Uh, Sabitzer ended up going to Bayern Munich. They lose. Uh, they lost somebody else too. Um, Andre Silva came in actually. Patrick Schick left, and he was scoring a bunch of goals. Andre Silva comes in, has a slow start. What, where do you think it went wrong for him? Was it the wrong fit at the wrong time? I mean, I know he's filling up or filling uh, filling in behind Julian Nagelsmann, who left to go to Bayern Munich as well. They they it just it just seemed like a bad mix at the right time. So much so that Jesse Marsh actually said to the front office that maybe I'm not the right guy for the job, which which is that is interesting. For, and I appreciate that Jesse Marsh would go in and say that. A lot of coaches wouldn't have the courage to go in there and say, I don't know if I'm the right fit for these, these particular players. Yeah, they were certainly in a dip of form, and now they're back up fighting for a Champions League spot. And so, to me, it obviously wasn't working. You know, I, I feel like we hold on to our Americans in a way that we expect them to survive, not just managers, but players, right? We expect George Bellow to go and do well at Armenia Bielefeld, where Armenia Bielefeld, by him, you know, great homegrown transfer for him but he's still a young player and he's stepping into a storm. And when you asked me in the opener about Hansa Rostock, that's what it was for me. Now, I learned a lot from that, but I would never want to go and do that again. At any point in my career, did I want to go to a club that was fighting relegation? Because it's already stressful enough trying to compete day in and day out and make it, right? So Jesse, as an example, because I know we'll get to the players, Jesse Marsh is one where we expect, because he's a great manager, because he comes from the Red Bull system, that it's all just going to work out, that all the opinions are going to be lined up together, that the players are going to buy into the system. And clearly those players weren't buying into what, what Jesse was doing. Now, that doesn't mean Jesse's a bad manager. Perhaps it's just a bad fit for him because we're seeing now Jesse's same motivation. I'm sure he's evolved and he's learned from that time at, at RB Leipzig and, and, and Salzburg. But now he's, he's at least getting some motivation out of these players in a different circumstance, right? And I feel like Jesse is good in an underdog position, 
given this where the stakes are versus an RB Leipzig that, like you said, had a bunch of turnover. But it's hard to really say. You guys have both both known. You've either played for a manager you thought was going to be great and wasn't, or you went in thinking uh, this manager is whatever, and they ended up being fantastic in a different way and lighting a fire. And a manager from year one survives relegation in Europe, and then the next year might get that same group uh, when he's on the verge of being fired to a Champions League spot. And so it's really hard to describe one single coach or manager and why it didn't work out. It's really hard without being on the inside. Although we do know that he's a pretty intense manager and the demands are pretty high. And if you start to get those ripples in a team, especially in these high demanding uh, situations, that can make a locker room fall apart pretty quickly. Now, now I just want to throw this in, Chuck, before I throw it to you. He was highly regarded within the Red Bull system, right? Coach at New York Red Bulls, went to RB Salzburg. He yeah, actually he's being groomed. He was being, being groomed. groomed. He yeah. did he did a year with Julian Nagelsmann at RB Leipzig. Like he's been there before and knows a lot of those players. Now, when he got fired in December, he was in 11th place with RB Leipzig. And obviously he was in a very difficult Champions League group with Manchester City and PSG. So it was in Club Brugge and it was always going to be a, a bit of a struggle. They scored a lot of goals, but defensively they were leaking some as well. Do you think... And I just want to throw this out there for the sake of the conversation. Do you think that it's harder for players to buy into the manager if he's American because of the stereotypes that are associated with America? Instead of just treating him like a human being that knows the game and loves the game. Soccer. It's soccer. I would say for for players, the the first thing that they look at is your your resume. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how how were you as a player? In some cases, you know, you get a player like former player like Zinedine Zidane. If you come in with that reputation as a player, people are excited because they feel like they can generally learn, generally, generally right. learn from you, right? I think from Jesse Marsh's standpoint in his career, players are like, "I'm not going to learn anything from you in terms of your ability." But as a manager. That's where you, you're coming in with a different perspective because you're saying, I'm a student of the game. This is how I can help you tactically and putting you in the position to, to succeed and putting the right 11 players on the pitch so that the team can have success. Mm-hmm. So that's one angle is oh, you're already coming in with a little bit of a, an uphill battle because of your resume as a player. So now you have to impress them with your knowledge and your training sessions and, and kind of your results because your results kind of – basically shape yeah, right. how, the, how the locker room is going to go. Right. And it the results weren't coming. So he was pushing a narrative with, at RB Leipzig, and the, the results weren't coming. So then all of a sudden, you have some players being like, this isn't the guy. And mm-hmm. and that can build, that can grow like rapid fire, right? Just as, as soon as you have a, a couple of results, don't go your way. Guys aren't happy that they're not playing. They, they can turn quick, and then the whole locker room ultimately turns so I, I think that was kind of what happened with jesse marsh and, I and it's think, and it's specific people too charlie you right. know it's very specific people they they right. start to pull people into their corner yeah yeah the whispering a little bit there are a few people that are pivotal towards the success of a manager and when that flips also you know they start to misery loves company and it's easy to start rallying around tough times uh against something yeah especially for a manager who's coming in and still trying to win everybody over because that can turn very, very quickly. And yes, I, I, I don't want to name names. And I hope that Jesse Marsh maybe down the line will uh, give us some insight on who, which players he thought were throwing him under the bus behind the scenes. Uh, right. He'll never do it. He's too good of a guy to make that happen. But, but I think those are great points, Charlie. And I'm curious, Keith, if we're seeing something similar at Leeds. And, and really, do you feel like 
if they get relegated Leeds, and they're very close on the precipice of making that happen, do you think Leeds will end up firing him? And that will be, for me, pretty disappointing because we're trying, I think as from, from we've broken the glass ceiling and from the, the male perspective, at least for me, that, that people will trust Americans to go out there and do, do the job at some of the biggest clubs. That's been proven. And now, even if those guys aren't playing regularly, they, they still are trusted. And I think that's important. It doesn't seem like we've done that at the manager position. And, and I feel like, I mean, if in Jesse a way, gets though, fired from Leeds, if Jeff gets fired from Leeds, though, we're like, God, we're starting all over. It's like we can't, but, we can't but didn't break we, through did, that. But didn't we say that if Jesse got fired from RB Leipzig, he he failed in theory, right? If In the way that we judge managers. Sure. Now, I don't think Jesse necessarily thinks he failed. I think it just wasn't the right fit in his mind. And then look what happened. A few months later, he gets a job in the Premier League. That's a pretty incredible movement in terms of respect for a manager. Now, granted, sure. we're talking about you know, uh, uh, American ownership and groomed in RB, but like, you don't get it. There's no, there's no nepotism happening when there's millions and millions of dollars on the line. They thought Jesse could be the solution to, to the problem. Now, if, if they go down, I still think he's got something there, uh, that, that, that I hope that they keep him. And I do think that if he, if they didn't keep him, we are now seeing a European based manager in Jesse Marsh in the same way that yeah, we've what, seen with- where do you go though? Like if he fails at RB Leipzig and then he fails at Leeds, I mean, I throw failure out there with some Americans. Here's the, here's the problem. Cause it, it feels pretty harsh to say fail. You know? Yeah. But, but if, if you, you did he get at, enough time, did he really get enough time? But, I mean, Alex Ferguson wasn't crushing it when he first started either. No, but he, he's got, he does have one, one task. That's to keep the team in the Premier league. So if you fail that, then you have the right to be let go. Now, if they keep him, that's something different. But my whole thing is that, we want to see our managers be Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola. We want to see him be Jurgen Klopp. We want to see. But if you look at the German managers, there are hundreds of them throughout the world. I mean, you look at uh, um, Graham Potter was at uh, what's it, what's it called in, in Sweden before he got to the Premier League. I mean, these guys, there are managers everywhere, and we need more than just Jesse carrying the flag for America to do this because our expectations are always going to exceed what he's probably going to get the chance to do. Now he's a pioneer in the sense that he's. He's continuing to, to, to apply his trade. And we know that Bob Bradley tried that. We know that Greg Berhalter was in Sweden before at Charlie's old club. Like we, 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 we know that that's, that's part of the case. But if you look at managers that go to the Premier League, there's a whole bunch of them that end up in the championship, that spend years in the championship, and maybe they end up somewhere else. Like I think a career manager that can be successful is a really hard thing to define, especially in the American mindset. Because we in, in MLS, it's trophies, right? Because every coach every year has a chance to win the trophy. And... Uh, I think it's it, it probably requires a couple of clicks deeper than that than 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 just you know where does he go from there? I think that he'll continue to probably push himself to stay there and take another difficult environment. But you're right, it probably is another step back uh, in terms of the size of the club. But to go from a club that's in the Champions League and the Bundesliga to a Premier League club, pretty good jump. Yeah, oh, no, of course, of course, Charlie. Any kind of thoughts on Jesse Marsh overall and and what he symbolizes? Because you know we've had. A couple stabs at that. You know, we have David Wagner, who was at Huddersfield and just got fired from Young Boys this particular season. You know, we, we have some some Americans that are out there doing their thing, but nobody's really broken through. And it felt like Jesse was our was our best chance. Are we putting too much pressure on him to, to be the guy, or do you think that's just part of the part of the business? I don't think we're putting putting unfair pressure on Jesse Marsh. It's just that's part of the business. He chose this path. I mean, that's why he ended up at Red Bulls in New York because he saw a path uh, aligned to Europe and he did well with the Red Bulls in New York, which earned him the opportunity to go overseas and, and learn from Nagelsmann in the, in, in the beginning to prep him to, to lead our uh, Red Bull Salzburg. I think for, for Jesse, 
it's just continuing to learn and grow and adjust. You have to learn language. You got to be out of your comfort zone. And if you really want it and you put all the time and effort into it, you're eventually going to be successful. And I think Jesse going to Leeds is is an ideal situation, especially if you stay in the Premier League. That's the best league in the world. You, it's almost like you got an upgrade leaving RB Leipzig to, to manage Leeds. So I, I think in that case, there's still hope that he can stay up. It's not going to be easy, but it, it's not unfair pressure. That's that's what you 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 sign up for in, yeah. in this case. So I think for for Americans, it's great. We we all want to get behind any American manager that's that's managing overseas because ultimately that's only going to raise our profile and raise our game because he eventually is going to come back. He's eventually going to give their uh, European teams are eventually going to give more American managers an opportunity. So uh, we're all rooting for him. Right, Jimmy. Jimmy, you're a, you're a, you're a uh, a kind of a, a strong headed guy and am i is that the perception know, about me I, I i that's the nicest way i can put it right you're a, <laughs> you're a, you're a, you're a competitive guy but i i feel like at times and 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 i struggle i re, this was probably my biggest struggle in my career trusting people in positions of power right and 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 we hold our parents which our our kids are going to do to us we hold our coaches we hold everybody around us to being sort of having it all figured out and the answers to everything and I guess the point that I'm trying to get at with this is that Jesse Mars, as Charlie just said, is on this journey of, of being a manager, right? He started with nothing, has ideas, learns, is at the Red Bulls, then he's at Salzburg. And now he's in this family where he's part of this philosophy. Now he's completely outside of that. And he's going to apply certain things, but he's got to continue to learn. And I feel like some managers actually stop learning. And others mm-hmm. in the modern game are continuing to evolve and grow. And I think there, there is something to that with Jesse Marsh that – that's why he got another opportunity. I think he interviews well. I think he understands the game well. I think he's continuing to evolve with the speed or changing of the game because I feel like the game is evolving quicker than it ever has before. And maybe they say that every generation, but in terms of the style of play, the tactics, the way it goes from the Gagan Press exploding to you know Liverpool not being in a Gagan Press but are chasing everything, it's just the game is changing quickly because the quality of the game is so high. And I feel like Jesse Marsh is well positioned to be a career manager in Europe at very, very big clubs, whether that's whether that he, he, he helps lead survive or not. Do you think that again, we are, we are holding him to uh, an un, unrealistic standard. Do you think he has more upside as a manager? Uh, I mean, I don't know how much time you've spent with Jesse in the last years or in the He's, last decade, but no, no, I did spend some time with him in between his jobs in MLS. So when he got let go from Montreal impact, which I think was another stepping stone to him having success, right? I think you learn a lot from your failures. So he goes from that, and then he comes into the league offices and does some media stuff with MLSsoccer.com. At the same time, I'm doing Kick TV. And we really got along. We were in the same office. We joke around a lot. We were, you know, always talking. We got to go get coffee, just talk the game a little bit. And then all of a sudden, he went to the New York Red Bulls. So like, ah, Jesse Marsh disappeared. And then he just took off. It was like rocket fuel. The guy was just gone. Did well at Red Bulls and just decided, I'm leaving that to go to RB Leipzig and, and, and really got fast-tracked because they can see what we can all see. He's got something to him, and I feel like even when he fails, he's got that little Teflon to him that he's just going to bounce back and be even stronger. Mm -hmm. And so are we being critical of him? I don't know if it's critical as much as just we're putting a lot of weight on his shoulders to be the guy that breaks through that glass ceiling. And I do – I'm trying my best because we have a real big tendency of overhyping our players here, and I feel like we might get into a little bit of that with our with our managers, especially when we know that but we Jimmy, have Newcastle goes Marsh. down with the current manager that they have. They go down. You would you like take Jesse Marsh out of it? Take American out of it? Would you be like get him out? 
if if Newcastle like, wins, you know, when or not, not, or... yeah, like say Newcastle, your team as a fan, like what you you're probably gonna want to change. Well, naturally. we have oil money now, so we can go buy the whoever well, we want. before, but, like but even I, okay, then, fine. when you were still in the, um, before the oil no. money came down, it was, things were pretty ugly. No, I, I think it depends on on when the hire was made. So in Jesse Marshall's case, they were already in relegation. They are singing the songs, right? right? So. So at that point, you're hiring him knowing there's a good possibility, a good chance that you go down. And so if that's the case, you're sticking with the manager at that point. It's, this isn't a you're starting for fresh and you're you know expected to you know place in the top 10 of the Premier League. This is, hey, you're coming into it. I, we believe that you can keep the club up. That's why we're hiring you. But we know there's a good chance you could go down. Look at the results. They, they knew the fixtures. It was like, okay, Arsenal, you know, Chelsea. So from that perspective, I think they said, this is a guy that we can build a future with. Did he come in after the Liverpool game? Was it after the Spurs game? It's like they lost like 7-0 or something. 6-0 I can't remember. To, to, it was to bad. Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, like, it, wasn't, all things it was considered. like the worst month in Premier League history. They gave up well, more goals in a month than any other team in the history uh, of the Premier League. This last month was just as hard, though. Just, I mean, not well, in terms of performances, but yeah. But they had Chelsea, Man City, and Arsenal all in a row, right? They had Man City, then Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Chelsea. They, obviously, they've got a couple of games to, to wrap up the season, which everybody's interested in, which is Brighton yeah, and Brentford, which Brentford, is which yeah. is where the real test is going to come down to. You can't hold losing. You can't hold the 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 the, the, the schedule against him because he did get some decent results along the way against your Watfords, Southamptons, other teams that are fighting. When I'm looking at the schedule here, Leeds against Crystal Palace. It's mm-hmm. a draw. I mean, it's just hard to it's hard to separate relegation from a manager, but I at mean, the he- same time. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it non-emotionally, and it's hard with the Leeds fans. I know a lot of Leeds fans. But they didn't have Patrick Bamford, who scored a ton of goals for them last season. He's been in and out. Obviously, he came back, got hurt again. Calvin Phillips really hasn't been involved. Uh, when Liam Cooper, their center back, doesn't play. They I can't believe we're doing a goals. full segment on Jesse Marsh. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, ultimately, I'm going to segue right now. But <laughs> but, but because just like Yoda told Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think in episode five, there is another. And there is another American manager oh. in the Bundesliga named Pellegrino Matarazzo. The dude grew up in New Jersey, went to Columbia University, had a, a career that started in Serie C when he went over to play. Six foot six, this guy. And uh, didn't really work out. Went over to Germany really in the lower divisions and just decided I'm going to pivot and I'm going to coach the reserves in my free time and kind of built his thing. And he's been in charge of Stuttgart for two and a half seasons. Like this guy's absolutely cruising or three and a half seasons. It's just insane what, how much time he's had. And, and we never talk about him. But Stuttgart are currently in the relegation playoff spot. And they'll end up taking on Hamburg if everything stays the same in this last weekend for, for both Bundesliga divisions. And they've struggled this year, Stuttgart. But they just came off a 2-2 result against Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena in Munich. And he's got something to him as well, but we never talk about him. But now I feel like if he gets relegated with Stuttgart, he could be gone too. But I could see him being, as you say, a career manager. I could see him being a career manager in the Bundesliga. But this guy's like bread. It's not like we went David Wagner style and, and you know, a U.S. guy that was pretty much grew up in Germany. We have a guy that was born and raised in New Jersey, went to Columbia, Columbia, I'm speaking like Columbia University and and uh, found his way coaching a Bundesliga team. I think that's pretty impressive, Charlie. And, and but now I fear because he hasn't done so great uh, this particular season that he could be gone as well. He, he could, but the last fixture is in their advantage. They're home to Köln, where Hertha is traveling to Dortmund. And if they win and the level on points, goal differential takes them ahead. So they would be safe uh, for, for next season. It, 
it's not ideal to have to play the last game of the, the mat the the season and you need a result and the other team uh, needs to lose but it could be worse so I think from that perspective maybe they give him another chance and it, yeah. it's going to be a short lease uh, leash leash in, in the sense that he'll probably only have like four or five games right to start next year if, if they're not going in the right direction they'll pull the plug right away um but what I, I have my eye on is the Augsburg fourth match. The last, you know, mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. Augsburg's playing the last place team. There's nothing to play for. If Ricardo Pepe does not start in this match, that is very telling of mm-hmm. what they think of him, and if this is a player they're looking at to to uh, be a large part of of the attack for next season. You know what's interesting? I'm glad. Let's yeah, let's keep it going with, with players now. Let's let's talk about Ricardo hey, Pepe. Well, I, I just want to, real quick on the on the Matarazzo. The only reason I think he'll stay is because he brought the club up also when he took over in 2019, 2020. So he brought them back up and has shown their ability to bring them back up. So if they were to go down, I think he hold like those are he the holds types. That clout, it's weird. Right? He holds like clout. a mid table finish is not going to be as good as somebody who brings them up. Like they parade when you go up promotion from the from the second division to the first. Like I think it's, he has that relationship with the club where. Right. You know, he, he's he's intertwined. So anyways, I, I just well, no, to well, I, I like that as kind of a if, if Jesse Marsh can get leads to stay up, that trust would be there. And I think the belief would be a little bit more into his, you know, into what he's capable of. All right. Let's talk about Ricardo Pepe, though. Just so everybody knows, since he's joined Augsburg from FC Dallas, 11 appearances, four starts of those 11, zero goals, zero assists. So he has no goal contributions at all. Heath, I'll go. I'll go to you. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I mean, I mean, this is difficult. I think he went into a situation. We had Michael Parker's former U.S. Men's National Team player join us on Monday. He played for the coach. He also played at Augsburg, the first American to do so. He was really surprised that that coach even wanted an American, but it, he's not surprised that he's not playing him. Mm-hmm. And I wish that Ricardo Pepe and his family would have talked to Michael Parker's first before making this decision because it doesn't seem like it's been a good one. Well, one of the things that Parker's did say for anybody that didn't, you, you obviously can listen to that on audio or on YouTube. But what, one of the things that he did say is that it's a really hard thing to turn down, right? If you're going to spend 20 million, imagine what Ricardo Pepe is getting out of that. And that is a really hard position to put any kid in. On top of that, I'm not sure there was going to be many other offers at that level for a kid of, of his age. So he steps into the situation. We've been hearing different things of like, even under Greg, of like, does he train well? He's not, he's not great in training. And in Germany, of all places, it is a war. The bonuses are built around getting on the field because it's like a 60-40 league. The guys will scrap. Like, we used to have Sunday trainings for the guys that didn't play, and they'd kill each other. Like, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a weird – it's a very dog-eat-dog environment. And like Charlie said earlier in the show, like, that's important for Ricardo Pepe to go through. Now, that doesn't excuse him from anything. He's still got to go out there and score goals. He's still got to be a contributor. My problem is, is when I've seen Ricardo Pepe with the national team or with FC Dallas or even the few games that I've watched at Augsburg, he does contribute in a lot of ways. But ultimately, you don't pay $20 million for a guy to have good link-up play, you know, to <laughs> lay the ball off and get back in the box. You, that comes with a little bit of extra expectations of, of you need to find a way to do more that gets us goals or assists, and he hasn't done that that I agree with Charlie that it comes down to this game is going to say a lot about. This is about all about next year. This is about guys who have contracts. I've been in the situation where we had four weeks left in the season in the Bundesliga when they were like, anybody who's not part of this team next year when we were playing for nothing, they're out. Anybody that has a contract, they're in. You're playing for a job. You're playing for this. Guys who aren't renewing, 
You're going to go train with the reserves for months, and we're going to focus on next season. And that's the situation that he's in now. And it's going to be a very tell tell sign as to what they do with him in this environment right now. Okay, not only that, on the Gritta first side, and I actually want to get your thoughts on Ricardo Pepe, of course, Charlie, as our resident striker. But we have uh, Julian Green and uh, Timothy Tillman that also are Americans playing for Goethe Firth. And, and well, I'm curious to see if they're going to play as well. They both have gotten enough time to demonstrate what they're capable of at the highest level in Germany. And the Bundesliga obviously wasn't good collectively as a team as they're going straight back down. But, but let's talk uh, about Ricardo Pepe. How do you think he fights out of this? If you're his agent, if you're his dad, if you're like, – how are you telling him to, to manage what's coming and, and – because it doesn't look like what we've heard from Greg Berhalter, he's not going to get called in because he needs a mental break or whatever it was that Greg said about, you know, the grind of flying home to play in these games, to fly back. The guy just needs a rest. You know, what are you, are you taking all this into consideration? How are you managing Ricardo Pepe and his mindset as he approaches this upcoming season, which is a big one for, for club and country? Well, first you, you see how the season ends. Maybe he plays the last game of the year and he has a coming out party. He bangs a brace, he has a hat trick or he scores and he's just, he breaks the duct. And then they, they have confidence in him for next year. Mm -hmm. Or he doesn't play and the agent has to have a call with whether it's the sporting director or the head coach, have a meeting and say, where, where do you see Ricardo Pepe? Is he not working out for you? And if that's the case, figuring out what's the club to go to. Is it a loan back to Major League Soccer? Is it, which probably could be uh, the, the case, or is there another? Wouldn't club that out like perception-wise though? Wouldn't that feel like tail between the legs a bit? That, that oh, oh yeah, no doubt. But it's a World Cup year, and you need to be playing because you know if you're if you're going to be stuck on the bench again for a team that's going to be most likely battling relegation again, it's not gonna it's not gonna be a good look. So maybe there's a loan opportunity in Belgium, which is where a lot of players end up going if if you are going to get loaned out of out of the Bundesliga. You have Austria, Belgium, and Switzerland. Those are your three typical go-to leagues if you're getting loaned out of uh, the Bundesliga to play for a top team in those leagues, which you could still be playing in the Champions League or you could be playing in Europa League. So it could still end up being a benefit. You take one step back to take two steps forward. Mm -hmm. But ultimately you say, Ricardo, this is your most important preseason of your life. You got to come in fit. So it's not, you don't get fit in preseason. You come in fit and you come in looking to claim your position and, and you just try and keep him positive. It's a, he's a young player. There's going to be ups and downs. It's good to get some of the, the, the downs now and, and push through because it is all about mentality. If you want it and you're hungry and you stay positive, it's eventually going to turn because the, the tough times don't last. Would 10 goals work for you guys for Ricardo Pepe? Would 10 goals be a successful season? Because I'm looking at the the for what the next year? Yeah, yeah for, next, year. next year. Hell, hell yeah, dude! I mean, he's got zero goals right now. I but uh, but I'm saying in terms of in terms of like there's seven there's eight players in the league that have had had more than 11 goals uh, this year. Now, our Charlie, you obviously know how much harder it is to to, to get 11 goals in over a, a full season. But we're talking about a you know 20 million signing striker. And when I look across the board, yeah, Andre Silva had a much worse year than last year when he was scoring goals for fun at at Frankfurt. But, I mean, there's not a lot of uh, guys in the smaller clubs, especially. Union Berlin has one one guy. Um, yeah, but, but they're up there. They're, they're a smaller club, but they're competitive. Yeah. I, I'd say look at the 
the teams in the relegation zone or around there in the bottom. Yeah, eight bottom to seven, seven, seven to nine goals are where your uh, your teams at the bottom of the table, are, most of your your top scorers are are going to be. And, and Gregorich is 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 at Augsburg. He's got eight. It's it's yeah. I would take ten in a heartbeat, uh, especially if you got all ten before the World Cup started. <laughs> well, remember, remember, remember our sort of where we were with um with um what was his name that was at um, Werder Bremen. Um, Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent. Yeah. Where we were like we, it's kind of like you, you get happy because he starts to play at a young age. We were just happy. Okay, we were happy at eight when Josh Sargent played at eighteen nineteen. We were like, Whoo, we got a guy at a traditionally huge club and he's playing. This is great. Get a couple goals. We're like, okay, we're happy. But it feels like it's a different circumstance with Ricardo Pepe, which isn't about a few goals because it was it's the new hype and the guy that I and I'm and me as well. Like I I don't know if I'm happy with ten goals. I mean, didn't he score like ten in the second half of the season after not starting for FC Dallas? Different level, different circumstance. But right, right. You know, I don't know. No, so so what's interesting, really quick about Josh Sargent is I kind of wish he would have stayed with Werder Bremen because they're getting promoted back to the Bundesliga uh, this upcoming season, and that I feel like could have been wind beneath his wings and now he's going down into the championship with Norwich and we'll see what ends up happening uh, to him. All right. I'm, I'm going to, it is, I'm going to roll out. I'm going to roll out the rest of the players that are playing. I'm going to give you guys where you want to jump in after I'm done uh, talking about it. We got Joe Scally in the Bundesliga, 19 year old, 29 league appearances, 20 starts, but all those starts happened in the first half of the season. He only has three starts since December 18th. So the drop-off has been real. Yes, he got hurt a little bit. Maybe he had COVID, if I'm not mistaken. He had a goal and two assists in those first half of the season, but uh, pretty slow since then. George Bello made the transfer in the January transfer window. Darmini Bielefeld. Uh, he started three of 13 games, and he had no goal contributions, and he also had a deflection that led to, or a bad clearance that led to an own goal uh, not too long ago, which was the decisive blow in Armenia Bielefeld's uh, lingering hopes of survival so it didn't look good for them anyway, but I didn't. It didn't help that uh, Bello was involved with that. Uh, they had lost eight of their last ten, so it wasn't looking good up to that point. You have uh, Chris Richards, 22-year-old, made 20 appearances for Hoffenheim, 13 starts, currently out injured. Apparently, though, according to uh, Bully News, which is a Bundesliga website, he ha- was given a send-off alongside his teammate Florian Grilich at the club's final home match of the season against Leverkusen over the weekend. Because uh, apparently, even though he's played 34 com- competitive appearances for Hoffenheim over two loan stints in the past 18 months, uh, it doesn't look like they want to sign him to a bigger deal. Maybe because it's another late season injury. Injured, you know, he's got these injuries, so it looks like he might be going back to Bayern Munich, and that's going to be a tough lineup to break into. Though Sula is on the way to Borussia Dortmund, so maybe there's some room for Chris Richards. You got John Brooks, 30 games, 30 starts, scored his first goal of the season on match day 32 a couple weeks ago. He's announced he's leaving. Rumors have it he might be heading to MLS. Uh, he's made 145 appearances in his career for Wolfsburg, and um, I assume maybe some other German clubs would be interested. I'm curious about him. Gio Reyna got the number seven shirt after Jaden Sancho left for Manchester United. He reached 50 Bundesliga appearances on match day three, scored his second goal of the season in match day three, and then has been hampered by injuries this whole time. He's played in only 10 games this season, making six starts. And then we got Tyler Adams. Uh, dealt with some injuries, but doesn't seem to be preferred by the new manager, Domenico Tedesco. Only started 36% of their games this season, played 45% of the minutes available. But he's competing with Hydara, Kampel, Limer, who might be on the move. That 45% and, uh, of the minutes available is what's scary to me because he is crucial to the team, but not crucial to the lineup. And that's... That's right. that's that's right. not a situation that if you're Tyler Adams is is satisfactory. But if you're RB Leipzig, you're like, I got Tyler Adams off the bench. 
this is amazing. Yeah, right. right? And this right. is where you start to get squeezed in the transfer windows where they need an offer that's worthwhile. They need like they need it needs to be a good situation where RB Leipzig get something out of it or he's too beneficial to the team. And and that's that's a that's a tricky one that I that that I that I think about in terms of a midfielder being crucial to the team, but not crucial to the lineup, a role player, but valuable in the market. And that's just like, you know, that requires a few a few pieces to come together, which I think is to the detriment of of, of Tyler Adams and his his development. No, that's a great insight there. Also, some honorable mentions, as I mentioned before, Julian Green, Timothy Tillman, and Gruta Firth, uh, Malik Tillman at Bayern Munich, Justin Che, Kevin Paredes. Uh, players to watch in this. Some of these games are, well, I don't say meaningless, but there's an opportunity for a lot of these because there's no chance at top four or for them to get relegated that uh, some of these coaches could play some of the younger players. Oh, the scouts are alive right now. They're out. They they are are out. out. They're out and ready to go. So, so Chuck, any any names that I mentioned there that uh, obviously injuries are playing a part in some of the success and failures of some of these guys, but uh, anybody you want to dive into based on the names I mentioned and why it was a bit of a down year for, for Americans in the Bundesliga? You know, I, I think I'm really excited about Kevin Paredes. I think he could be, um, you know, you like him as a fullback or a winger. I like him as a winger. Yeah. I like him as a winger. Um, and he could be a wing back as well, but I, I like, I like his potential and I think he could be getting many more minutes next season. I think Gio Reyna is a player who we know once he gets back to being fit and healthy, which I think, um, He'll he'll be in a good position to to be the starter in attacking role, uh, attacking midfield role next year for for Dortmund, and then hopefully we'll see if he'll he'll get a chance to come into a number ten position for for the U.S. or or they'll keep him as as a right winger. It'll be interesting to see because if Ricardo Pepe is still in the same position, I I I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't move Timothy Weah to the nine. I just. At least Man, give him a shot. There. I can't wait for these June friendlies and nation yeah. games. I think yeah. we're going to see a lot and maybe get a lot of our questions answered. So we'll get into a lot of that as the previews come. Uh, just to give some context for everybody that knows about Kevin Paredes, 19 year old, came out of DC United Youth Academy, played for DC for a couple seasons, 41 games in particular, before making a big move to Wolfsburg. We're all really excited for him. His upside is tremendous. He has gotten called into one senior camp. I believe that was the friendly against Bosnia this past December. I don't think he got to play, but I think he was there, and Greg Berhalter and his staff got to see him. So overall thoughts, Heath, on this down year? I know you talked about it a little bit at the top, but just to put a button on it, before we move on to the FA Cup final and Christian Pulisic and whether he should start, we'll get into a little bonus preview with regard to our one of our top Americans in the Premier League. But uh, before we get there, any final thoughts on, on Americans in the Bundesliga? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing for me is if you look across that that list of players where we struggled a little bit, there's still an incredible amount of out, upside. How old is Ricardo Pepe? Is he uh, 19? 19. 19. Okay, you've got George Bellows, 20. Joe Scally's 19. Kevin Paredes is 19. Tillman, the older one, 23. The younger one is, is, is around 19, 20. Like you've got a number of players that still have a ton of out, upside outside of say John Anthony Brooks. Gio Reyna is still uh, so course, young with all course. the talent that he has. Tyler Adams has so much upside. So overall, the only thing that I would say is that in a down year, we are still continuing to put players in these environments where perhaps they didn't thrive in a year like this, but now they're a year older with a year more experience. 
and still just at the very, very beginnings of their career where we could see them become quite incredible players and we shouldn't judge them based on 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 where they're at the moment. Oh, really well said. Charlie, do you want to tr- try to follow up on that or what do you got to add? <laughs> I, got, I got nothing. He's. I got nothing. It was great. He, he, That's the best way to it. say it. He that's why we got, I thought you guys were going to start, start, start to slow clap for me. And we're going to just, why, you know what? All right, boys, uh, give it everything, you know? Get out I on the field it. and give it your best shot. I love it. No, it. Yeah. Win, the, win the first challenge. All right, we're going to take a break. But when we return, we're going to talk about Christian Pulisic and the FA Cup final between Chelsea and the mighty Liverpool. Don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Welcome back to In Soccer. We trust I am Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. And boys, we got a big FA Cup final this weekend. Let's talk overall first. Just initial thoughts. Charlie, I'm coming to you first. Before we get into whether Christian Pulisic should start and the tactics of this game and all this type of stuff, who do you think is actually going to win? Liverpool. Okay. I, I just I, I think they're on a mission. They want to – I don't think they're going to win the Premier League, but they can still win three trophies, the three tro- trophies left to win, FA Cup um, and the Champions League. So, Do you think they're the favorites in the Champions League as well? Yes, I do. Okay. I think Real Madrid are playing with a ton of confidence right now, and they're hot. But Liverpool just have the system. I, I think they they're they're playing for the club and and for Klopp. I, I just think he he has a lot of the team has a lot of experience together. But I think he has used his experience to help this team just continue to to push and win. So I, I think Mo Salah and I think Mo Salah is on on a on a path to to kind of win Liverpool these trophies. And Sadio Mane has had an incredible season. So um, I think with those two... Especially in 2022, like it was most yeah. a lot in the first half. And then once 2022 hit, Sadio Mane winning Africa Cup of Nations, qualifying for the World Cup. He's just... He's been on he, a tear. He's been on a tear. Yeah, he really has. And I think the most a lot contract situation has probably weighed on him a little bit. I don't know how it could because the guy's a human being. Keith, what are you thinking about this game overall? Just so everybody knows, this is the one trophy that Jurgen Klopp has yet to win for Liverpool. He's won every other trophy available. It's also uh, Jurgen Klopp. Fun fact: has not beat Thomas Tuchel in regular time either. Um, mm. In in any of the in any of these. Having said that, they went to a, a thousand and one penalties on the League Cup, <laughs> uh, which which Liverpool came out of as a very bizarre game. But yeah, I, 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 again, it's hard not to favor Liverpool in this one. Uh, not knowing who's going to be in the midfield uh, with uh, N'Golo Conte uh, out as well. Um, and Naby Keita is not the same as when Fabinho, who's also injured. I just think that 
the game's going to be won there. Obviously, Chelsea were in a bad run of form. They're out of it now. I guess everybody's sort of punching at Leeds to get out of their slumps, but it's hard not to favor Liverpool in this one. But this could be, you know, what's weird is I, I think about uh, Christian Pulisic's dad's tweet, and I think about the fact that Christian Pulisic scored again last weekend, and I think about the fact that uh, Charlie had mentioned uh, Ricardo Pepe in that final game of the season of like, this could be that moment, or one, a sign from the club, but two, talking about coming out parties. This could be a, another big moment for Christian Pulisic going back to Champions League final um, a year ago where he can have a moment to shine. And I do think he could potentially get get the start in this game. I think he will. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he will. I'm just <laughs> hoping he does uh, get the start in this game. But uh, it could be one of those moments where you're, you're, you're heading now into the offseason, into the national team games with the world of attention on you, which is a final of a major uh, major tournament and an opportunity to show one that he's either surplus to plans or 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 that oh. he's good enough to go play somewhere else. Let's well, stop I, right there because Todd Bowley, an American, bought the club. He, Christian ain't going nowhere. I don't think he's going anywhere either. He's yeah, I think anywhere. if they maybe got an owner from a different country. Well, that's really sad because he loves the city and he loves the team and he loves the fans, guys. You know. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> but but now with the the new ownership group that's being led, or at least the forward facing will be an American kind of, you know, going in the owner's box and all that good stuff. I don't think they're going to let him go either. Christian though. Yeah. Well, an ownership group owns Augsburg. So Ricardo Pepe's not leaving either guys. That's most likely true. We got, Mm -hmm. uh, we had a Christian score, a very good goal against Leeds in his last game, had an assist against Wolves. Uh, Lukaku's got three goals in his last two games. I think that, and, and Tuchel has shown that he will go with a hot hand. And I think I think that Pulisic and Lukaku will both start in this particular game. I think it'd be weird not to, given the form that they're in. I do want to throw out there that Chelsea got to the FA Cup final last year and gave up a screamer to uh, Yuri Tielemans in the 63rd minute. Christian Pulisic did not start that game. He came on five minutes after that goal was scored. And coincidence that they lost? I think not. So, Thomas Tuchel, you got to learn from the past, buddy. You got to start Christian Pulisic. He seems to be up for these types of opportunities and scoring in big games, and I think he knows what's at stake. I think that Christian will be ready to go for this. I do think that that he'll start. I, I think it's going to be Lukaku with Mason Mount and Christian Pulisic are my front three. I wonder about N'Golo Conte. Obviously, that guy drives so much of the game on both sides of the ball for Chelsea. If he doesn't play, they're just not the same. Kovacic got hurt in the past game against uh, Leeds, so that that hurts them a bit in terms of options as Jorginho's working back from injury. If Pulisic starts, I mean, where do you want – to see him, I guess, just kind of in the same spot that he is on the left side, kind of cutting in and finding the gaps to do what he wants. Yeah, Charlie, what do you think? Yeah, it, it, it has to be. That's the, the space where he typically is isolated 1v1, and he has much more freedom. Uh, it's where you want him. I mean, because he can come come inside and combine, and typically you're playing with Lukaku or Mason Mount, and those players take up two, two some cases three players there's more room for him to combine and play one twos. He's not the he's not the the focus. When 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 um, Liverpool are defending, they're not just focusing on Christian Pulisic. That's not the right, one player right. they're trying to shut down, which plays in, in to his advantage because he's not man marked throughout the game. Do you do you remember in the pandemic where did you say Liverpool, pandemic again? Say that again. I said pandemic. Uh, <laughs> when, we, when, 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 when Chelsea traveled to Anfield to play Liverpool, there's no fans in the stands. But Pulisic came on as a sub and absolutely ate up Trent Alexander-Arnold. Like ate him up. So much so that Jurgen Klopp was shaking his head because Jurgen Klopp coached him at Dortmund going, 
Yeah, this kid is amazing. You know, I mean, he was just in awe of what Christian did in that particular game. This and is I the World Cup preview. We've talked about that matchup. That matchup is key. It really is. And I and I wonder. I I, I don't think Trent Alexander Arnold will start that game. I think it'll be a Kyle Walker or Reese James. But in the World Cup, that is. But but in this particular game, Trent versus Alexander Arnold, or excuse me, Christian versus Trent Alexander Arnold is a is a good matchup because he's had success because he's crafty because Trent doesn't really like to defend one v one or maybe even defend overall. He'll do it, but he likes to go forward. And also conversely, this is a good opportunity for. Christian to maybe help out defensively and, and show that he can maybe be that first line of defense to force the play one way so that makes it easier for everybody else behind him. So this is a big test for Christian in a lot of different ways. By the way, that's what's different between Fabinho and, and Naby Keita. It changes the way in which Alexander Arnold has to play uh, as well in terms of freedom to just be up knowing that you have coverage and and quality or possession of the ball that gets you into good spots versus you know Naby Keita, which is just it changes the whole dynamic of this Liverpool side. That I think you're you're spot on there with that matchup between Arnold and uh, hopefully Pulisic. Okay, so predictions. Let's do predictions, Charlie. What do you think the get the score is going to be in this one? And and will Christian Pulisic hit the back of the net? Three one Liverpool. Wow, wow. Charlie just said, Chelsea. Thanks for coming. I wonder if I, Thomas Tuchel stays. What's your prediction? Honestly, I, I think it's going to go to uh, extra time as usual. I think these are cagey affairs, and I think it's going to be one-one at the end of regulation and a pretty boring game, just like it was in the League Cup. And uh, but that I'm was a pretty good zero-zero League Cup final, by the it way. It was. I mean, it was just it that wasn't boring. It was just like it was played differently than a normal. It had a weird yeah. pace to it that was just kind of a little bit lackadaisical. Um, uh, but I'm going to say that Liverpool pull this out probably in in uh, in, in extra time or or in penalties. Yeah, I want. I, I think Liverpool are going to win as well. But I think my, I think Liverpool win in regulation if Ingolo Conte doesn't start. But if Ingolo Conte starts, I think he's that influential to the team, part of the glue there. If he doesn't start, or if he does start, then I think it goes into extra time and Liverpool will figure out a way to get the result. I agree with Charlie. I don't think they're going to win the league. Uh, Liverpool, but I do think they'll end up winning the only trophy that Klopp has yet to win for the Reds. All right, everybody, we're calling it a show. We went long yesterday with Eddie Johnson. If you haven't listened to that interview, go check it out. And all of our guests, we've had some incredible special guests. We're going to have another one for you this upcoming week. We're not going to tell you who it is, okay? It's going to be a big secret, so you have to come back and join us. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us a five-star review. That would really make us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And that's all I got. So enjoy your weekend or whenever you're listening to this, enjoy your day. And on behalf of producer Debo, who's been joining us today very quietly, I might add, and Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening to Soccer We Trust. And we'll see you next time. Later. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.